are listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for The Place Beyond the Pines. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here this week with Christian Muldunski. I know what you're saying. I'm the short one with the dark, curly hair. <laughs> and uh, with a Place Beyond the Pines tagline, Kelly Wand. I was all, wow, what a poignant Sins of the Father's ending, and then it kept going for 40 minutes. <laughs> well, we will talk about that. Spoiler, by the way, Kelly Wan, nice work. Hook you, chick! <laughs> Stop talking shit about Die Hard 5! Explicit, explicit. This is language throughout right now. Teenager followed me home, this guy Z-Bone. He's a Tom Chick hating movie buff, so I apologize for that. Plenty of them out there. Uh, so before we actually spoil things like the narrative structure of the movie to which Kelly Wand alluded, uh, we would like you to know that we're not going to spoil anything for a moment because uh, – oh, yeah, here we go. Because Dingus, why don't you, without spoiling anything, what? tell folks what the – have I skipped something? I feel like I've skipped something. It just something. sounded so weird. I'm not going to – we're not going to spoil things for a moment because here comes Dingus's ratings. Hold on. i got to go down the pre-flight checklist. Make fun of Dingus's name. Introduce Kelly Wand. Yeah, okay. We're at the right place. Yeah. Fuck you, chick. Stop walking <laughs> the math boat. You threw me off for that, Kelly Wand. I thought I was in the comment Pop section. Out of my... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I was in the comment section for uh, Halos. Yeah, okay, anyway. So, Dingus, why don't you tell folks what we saw this week without spoiling it? Because I've already told them we're not going to spoil anything. So, Dingus, right. don't spoil anything. Yeah, go ahead. This week we saw The Place Beyond the Pines. Not mm-hmm. a place. It is the Hold on, did I, did I screw that up? No, you didn't. I just want to make clear to people out there who might be calling it a place, it's the place. Who didn't hear Tom say yeah. it correctly. Yeah. Uh, we saw The Place Beyond the Pines, a 2013 American crime drama triptych movie about the meaning of the word Schenectady. <laughs> it was directed by Derek Cianfrance and written by him and Sparky over there with Ben, ben Cochio and Darius Martyr. It stars Ryan Gosling, Eva Mendez, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Dane DeHaan, and holy cow, that's Bradley Cooper! <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> the, the Place Beyond the Pines is rated R mm. for language throughout, mm. some violence, yeah. teen drug and alcohol use. Oh, you bet. And sexual reference. Singular? <laughs> Wait, secular, sexual reference secular. singular? Dingus? It's just one sexual reference? Sexual reference. That's what it, it, has. it has. It has sexual reference in it. Can we say what the... Because re- I don't... I'm, well, the babies are all born before the movie starts, I think. So. What was the single reference. reference that the MPAA felt the need to... They don't need to tell you. Fuck you, chick. Stop making fun of Metacritic, faggot. <laughs> Fucking click on that shit. You want to go? Sorry. Sorry. He keeps grabbing my... <laughs> Kids. <laughs> All right. So, so, so basically, a man and a woman are, are seen in bed after sex uh, with the man putting his hand over the I woman's think, head. It's weird. It's a weird finish. Hmm. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, okay. Well, thanks, MPAA. Uh, let's see. Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, you can't really talk about its box office. It's not that kind of movie, but it's been out three weeks. Very limited release. Started at four theaters. I think it's up now to about 500 theaters. Uh, it's made $5 million in its three weeks. Um, yeah, well, you know what? If someone were to pay me $5 million or something, I'd, 
I'd make that same noise, Kelly Wand. So yeah. Yes, we thought, Megan. Fuck you. Wow, you are pro. You, this is language Sorry. throughout oh, this whole thing. It's, it's, you know, Kelly Wand has been possessed. He's like the kid in the movie that says squash a lot. Uh, well, that will, spoiler, right? Um, let's see. So, uh, we'll get to some more spoilers in just a second. I'm looking forward to this, but first, let me tell you, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, 81% of the reviews of The Place Beyond the Pines are positive. On Metacritic, which gauges the average, which averages the, uh, review ratings, The Place Beyond the Pines is at squarely at 66. Mm. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Fuck you, that's not how squarely's used. It's not an <laughs> adverb. Fuck. Fuck. All right, so Kelly Wand, why don't you now, I'm warning folks listening, we are now going to spoil the place beyond the parties. Yes, Kelly Wand? Quick question. Yes. Something I read that you wrote, I didn't realize, even Mm -hmm. though it kind of pertained to movies, but it wasn't in a movie thing you wrote. Mm -hmm. Your mom didn't let you see 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea because it had a giant squid in it, but she gave Jaws a pass because she said it it had a trained shark. (laughs) Right. So I want to clarify, that's true. You never mentioned that once in a million Jaws conversations on this stupid podcast, which I find mind-boggling. That is true, yes. My mother let me see Jaws thinking that it had a trained shark in it uh, as we were going to see it. therefore, it was totally all right. Well, 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 the thing is, for whatever reason, I don't know how this happened, but when I was a kid, I actually read Jaws before the movie came out. Right, I did too. And why would we have read some crappy Peter Benchley book as kids? Because we thought it'll prime us. I mean, but did we read it because we knew a movie was coming? Um, I was just, I just would read anything. I was bored. I would too. That's what I'm thinking. So, but I'm just curious why. I guess Peter Benchley was like a cool cover too. You go, oh, that was right. But then you read it, it's like they fucking kill with a gun. It's like Cooper's banging Ellen Brody's. And he must have been, I guess, just a prolific writer of these kind of airport books, Peter Benchley, right? But they were all marine biology themed. I don't know. Yeah, but then he he later was like recanted and went. Sharks got bad press because of me, and now I feel bad. Nice work, eventually. And then, then he, he wrote a giant squid book that I bet you didn't read, and neither did I. Yeah, then he died. Uh, the Beast. I, I know. Yeah. Did see. you read it? Uh, I saw a made-for-TV adaptation of it, I believe. Isn't there a made-for-TV The Beast? I don't care. I mean, <laughs> I, I read Jaws too, too, and there's like the... It's, Remember, there's like a whole thing with the scuba divers and like their lives and their wives and their jobs for like 10, 15 pages, and then a shark eats them and they're out of it. Like, what? Really? This is what grown ups read? <laughs> All that <laughs> shit. That's Kelly Wand why young adult fiction was invented. Hook you, chick! <laughs> All right, uh, Kelly Wand, why don't you then spoil for everyone listening The Place Beyond the Pines by just breaking down plot point by plot point what happens in this movie? Maybe giving us a, I, I don't know, uh, a recounting, uh, a, a relating of events. What, what would you call such a thing? I don't know what those words mean, but I call this a beyond the pipelapsis. Wow, that is not what I expected, but I look forward to hearing it. Kelly Wand, drive it like you stole it. Oh, see, I see what you did there. That's good. <clears throat> beyond the pipelapsis. Ryan Gosling shirtless with tattoos, and as usual, a regular 70s Burt Reynolds vehicular-wise, but he didn't get the memo about this crazy new thing called birth control. Fuck you, Wand! All right. <laughs> he practices Lamaz breathing in his trailer, then goes out to the traveling circus he works at while a crowd wildly cheers the steady cam operator behind him. Eventually... <laughs> 
really thinking that. Like, while, like, okay, like I was picturing them on the set. Going, okay, so cheer, but we don't make sure you see. Anyway, eventually they get to a spherical cage being cheered by an even bigger crowd. And Gosling's stunt driver and two other guys drive motorcycles around its interior for 45 minutes while the steady camp guy watches. <laughs> two other guys. <laughs> the, don't get steady cams. Afterwards, the cage signs autographs and poses for pictures with girls' boobs while Gosling wanders around the tents, picking up peanut shells and crumpled bits of snow cone cardboard and eating them. Then he looks up and, holy shit, look at Eva Mendez's pokies, how like, Sorry, serious drama. She's all, you still ride like you have sex. I guess that'll, that'll be by Eva Mendez. <laughs> maybe rehearse that a little. <clears throat> Circularly, you even remember my name? He's all, can't exactly forget those. Haven't seen you as a motorcyclist love interest since Ghost Rider. <laughs> she's all give me a lift home <sighs> but like even then <laughs> he's all okay but only if you wear that great tank top I like oh wait you're wearing it sorry I was totally distracted by your acting there I don't know about you but I feel the craziest craving for a couple cantaloupes tipped with silver dollars amina amina and once you hop on my hog here <laughs> he'll take us to my bike hopefully sooner or later he takes her home. She gets off the bike and goes, thanks for the ride. Live only 30 feet from the circus, but I hate to walk. Creeps hit on me, knock me up, take me off for a year. Take me off. <laughs> take off for a year. Come back. Give me rides. Probably should have known how it would go from the six previous years you were here. But like I said, thanks for the hate to walk. He's all, hey, don't worry about it. It's no listening at all. Lustin, I mean moisten. I mean, you want to go get a vagina? I mean a dick in you. I mean a drink on you. Sea cups. No, I mean fun bags. I mean beer mugs full of gimme. I mean blow job. I mean my job blows. Don't want to do 69 alone no more. I mean, yeah, I got somebody. Thanks, though. Your chicks never mentioned that before the ride. He drives off, masturbates in a junkyard, then passes out in his own vomit. Then he goes back to her house the next day and knocks on the door. He's all, hey, yo, I thought of other things to say. A couple quadruple entendres. An old Mexican chick holding a baby comes to the door. <laughs> <laughs> He's all, hey, listen, I was pretty drunk last night. You looked a little younger, but I'm still interested, all right? I noticed you got a baby there. More the merrier. She's all, He's yours. Mexican accent. He's yours, the old Mexican lady said. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was thinking about my acting. He's all, oh, I think I got the wrong house. Guess I'll be going. Uh, she's all, we named him Gosling, but after a different one. Long story. Look, gringo. <clears throat> Look, gringo, I have no reason to trust you with even burnt out match, but you want to hold him? My daughter's black boyfriend will be here any second. He'll be ecstatic. <laughs> that sucks, even. That's no accent can make that line good. <laughs> All right, Gosling. This is fun. Gosling holds the kid upside down for a bit, then stalks Eva Mendez to church. But nobody notices him because he looks psychotic, is covered in motor oil, and smells like circus. <clears throat> 
he goes to his boss's desk, which is the circus's most popular attraction. His boss is all, oh, good, you're here. Listen, we're replacing you with a Depression-era magician with a hot air balloon and a bunch of music boxes. You got Michelle Williams' last movie. Now it's his turn. Gosling's all, I'm not asking for an advance. He goes to a diner where Eva Mendez is always drawing the same glass. He's all, leave the black guy. I'll take care of you and our son. She's all, how? He's all, don't say it like that. I got a plan, all right? <laughs> Surprising about his dialogue is in the movie. I hate it. <laughs> I got a plan, all right? Phase one's already done. I quit my job. Phase two, I'm not up to yet. Look, quit throwing numbers at me. You know what? It's over. Hey, you know any circuses passing through this way anytime soon? Can I use you black guy as a reference? He goes to his favorite place to ride his motorcycle super fast. A thick forest full of every tree type except pines. <laughs> do people really do that? Does your mom sanction that train bike scene? Anyway. He sees a Theon-looking dude there who likes driving bikes around in trucks near trees. The guy burps at him, so they go back to the junkyard and drink carburetors full of transmission fluid. I'm guessing at how the working class lives, by the way, in some of these analogies. <clears throat> Theon's all, you got a really awesome skill set, bro. Riding a motorcycle in circles? Should explore the Earth's core, maybe. Or better yet, rob banks. Cops will never suspect the sullen drifter who just rode his getaway motorcycle in front of the whole town for weeks. <laughs> Tell you what, you rob the bank and drive away at top speed and dodge the bullets, and I'll close the door of the truck after you screech inside and crash into the wall. We'll split it 50-50. <laughs> Gosling's all, uh -huh. all, okay, 70-30 me. Gosling's all, that's more like it. Gosling robs a bank, then drives into Theon's truck. Theon opens the bag with the dollar sign on it as he drives, bashing a police car. He's all, sweet, no paint bomb. We're a regular Holland Oats. Gosling grabs the bag and vomits all over the money. Theon's all, guess we know which one you are. Gosling goes to Eva Mendez's diner to celebrate. He has a stranger take a picture of them and the baby in his bike. The stranger's all, oh, you want me to wait till she's not crying? He's all, no, they will be here forever. Just make sure you get the bike in, too. Bike's part of the family. Actually, can you just get the bike and crop us out? <laughs> uh, I'm not laughing at myself. It's like I'm pretending that's what really happened in the movie, like we're watching. The mank robbery, the, the mank mobbery, the bank robbery is such a success that even though the town only has two banks and 900 police cars, they decide to start doing it every day for months. <laughs> That's the only movie. I've never seen a movie where they rob a bank and then they go, all right, we got to do 10, 50 million more of these. Like, the whole point of robbing the bank is so you only have to do it once, I thought. That's a little sidebar I just was thinking about. Anyway. Gosling really does have an awesome skill set in that he spends all his cash ostentatiously, never even tries to account for the source of his income, and gets thrown in prison for bringing a crib to a crib. But luckily, this last incident is just the wake-up call he needed. He goes to Theon and goes, I want to rob ten banks at the same time. Theon's all, look, Gosling, if you ride like visual weather conditions, audible weather conditions will happen at some point. It's the law of the roadways or something. 
Theon destroys Gosling's motorcycle for his own good, but Gosling puts a gun in his mouth and takes all the cash that Theon always sleeps with so he can buy a replacement. Gosling goes to the bank and goes, Okay, everybody, this is a stick-up. The chick's all, Oh, sir, this is a sperm bank. Gosling, Gosling? <laughs> Black for the robbery. So it's Gosling did it. Anyway, he's all, Fuck. Fine, put it all in here. No funny business any use unless it involves producing more sperms. Hey, Tywear, where are you going? Uh, to tell the cops? Second floor is the police station, dumbass. Because <laughs> of the sequester. Also, that's not a real gun. You carved it out of soap. Liquid soap. It's just a puddle of suds in your hand. Gossing's all, damn it! He settles for stealing the pen on the deposit slip desk. <laughs> <laughs> By the time he's blowtorched through the chain, the cops are shooting at him. He runs outside, sobbing and farting, and gets on his little pink bicycle. Fuck, that little Girl Scout bitch told me this was a three-speed. Fucking training wheels, basket full of coloring books. <laughs> uh, he's dumb. I mean, he drives around while cop cars chase him and shoot guns. Bradley Cooper's one of them. The cops, not really. Cars or guns. <laughs> Quick rewrite. He's chewing a gum-flavored toothpick. He saw, we got a 10-4 over. Suspects driving through a cemetery. I guess that'll save a few steps. JK over. Repeat, JK, do you copy? Gosling goes into a house. Two women's are in the kitchen. He's all, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> That's how Ryan Gosling talks. They're all, is that soap? He saw, yeah, if I rub it in your eyes, it might sting a little. But if we all just keep cool, hey, where are you going? Okay, I give you permission to leave then. I'm warning you. Uh, <laughs> on upstairs, woik. Uh. <laughs> the women's come out onto the driveway. Bradley Cooper whips out his gun. Get on the ground with your hands in the air now. Is the motorcyclist safe? What are your demands? <laughs> Again, surprisingly in the movie. But anyway. <laughs> I laughed. The audience didn't. And no one in the movie laughed. They get The women's get bored to go to the next house where Colin Farrell draws a gun on them. And then the next one where Johnny Depp almost shoots them. All the way down the block to Tony Danza. <laughs> I love that one, too. Meanwhile, Gosling's on the phone. Hi, Belindez, it's me. Hey, that money in the trash bag I made you take in the parking lot yesterday? You may want to stash that somewhere not dumb or, like, spend it. Also, don't tell Gosling Jr. about me or do it now before he understands English. Or also maybe leave out the liquid soap part and maybe play up my sexual prowess. Bradley Cooper kicks the door down and puts it back up and turns the knob and opens it. <laughs> shoots himself in the leg. <laughs> Gosling's all, hang on, bro, that leg wound looks pretty serious. Here, let me call a doctor. Yeah, hi, Burnside Medical? We need a doctor ASAP at 413 Maplethorpe. We have an officer down. Okay, thanks. He hangs up. They're sending an ambulance. You know, it's too bad there's no such thing as motorcycle cops. My whole career trajectory would have... Blam! Bradley Cooper shoots him 86 times and hits him once. Then he falls asleep. He wakes up in a hospital bed. <laughs> He's, he goes into a coma from a leg wound. 
That's what a pussy is. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> sidebar. His boss, Bruce Greenwood's all, there's the famous B-side leading man. How's the old Ifanoki? <laughs> Bruce Greenwood. New York. Okie Finoke, I don't know. Bradley Cooper's all, hey, am I attorney general yet? Bruce Greenwood's all, uh, just a couple quick questions here for the media. Uh, who shot first? The DA's George Lucas. Bradley Cooper's all, um, hello, he did. He emptied his whole clip at me. All right, has Bradley Cooper talked? Dingus. <laughs> Normally? Like normal? Hello, he did. Okay, Bradley. <clears throat> He emptied his whole clip at me, then reloaded and emptied 83 more clips and a couple rockets. I just dodged all the shots because I'm awesome. I, I got to work on the Bradley Cooper. Bruce Greenwood's all. Okay, because the hostages are saying he just had a handful of soap. Bradley Cooper's all. Yeah, well, maybe he was a money launderer, too. Get it? Uh, tell the press that, and then they'll make me attorney general. Bruce Greenwood's all. Yeah, that's not quite how Metacritic works yet. Also, women's are saying... Because it's 80s. Tom, fuck you! Sorry. Gosling. Greenwood, I mean. Also, the weapons are saying they weren't even in the house at the time, so we may have to massage the hostages angle a little for the press. But Bradley Cooper's asleep again. It's endless like the movie. He wakes up to dinner with Rose Byrne. Fuck. <laughs> like in other respects. He wakes up at dinner with Rose Byrne as Ray Liotta and a mustache guy come in and start helping themselves to meatloaf. That sentence was beyond me. <laughs> mustache guy. <laughs> His name's Connor. Remember, Dingus? No, I do. Mad at me. Liotta's all, hey, nice tracking shot at the beginning there, Gosling. Too bad no Hedy Youngman at the end. <laughs> <laughs> See? It's easy. Fucking Bradley Cooper. Normal boys. Bradley Cooper's all, yeah, dances with wolves, huh? I'm also, I'm Bradley Cooper. Gosling's character's dead already. It's like a psycho. But instead of a psychiatrist you've never seen before explaining shit for the last ten minutes, it's me, though. Alright, it's the whole movie. It's the whole movie, psychiatrist. See? Instead of ten minutes, it's the whole psychiatrist. Leota makes him go to Eva Mendez's house. <laughs> and rob the cradle that I guess the black guy finished building after all. <laughs> <laughs> that was that guy's oh, character. Oh well, might as well build it. Yep, he's here. Treating her and him, you know, it seems dumb to... <laughs> did she make him do that, or did he just decide? She picked the guy who bought it out. And so then... I'm more interested in this storyline now. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Should we return it? Is there a seat here? No. Build it. Wait, I'm not going to build it. You build it. I'll get in here and build this. She says. I mean, that's how the black guy talks to her mom. Mother in Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Wait. Ray Liotta. <laughs> God. I hate myself. Ray Liotta makes him go to Eva Mendez's house and rob the... Okay. I already heard that. Wait, they threaten to deport her mom and steal the money trash bag the baby sleeps on, but Bradley Cooper makes Eva Mendez take it back in the same parking lot the Gosling made her take it back in. So Bradley Cooper becomes Attorney General. Huh. <laughs> 
again in the movie. For 15 years, nothing happens. Then Mario... <laughs> 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 that should be the title of the movie. Yeah, it makes more sense. Everyone starts to get up in the audience, and then it's 15 years later, and we all look at each other, and the lights stay down, and the usher goes, <laughs> He gestures that. He doesn't really say it. Uh, Mario Lopez, 15 years <laughs> later, and the kid from Chronicle become instant friends in high school, but then they get arrested. <laughs> starting to get tired. <laughs> my, grand- <laughs> my experience as well. Yeah. Wait, what? It can mean anything. Mario Lopez is all, Hey, yo, let's squash and be buds again. For life, yo. You feel me? Chronicle's all, okay. Mario Lopez is all, Yo, come to my party tonight. <laughs> He's Bradley Cooper's son. He talks like Gosling. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, everyone's, everyone's kid. Like Valentine. We're going to throw up and date rape the daughters of some other dudes who are the product of a bunch of different weird-ass coincidences. Should be fun. Also, there's a cool picture of my dad on the wall from 15 years ago wearing a police uniform. It looks exactly the same, and it's the only one we ever took. (laughs) (laughs) That's a paternity joke. A complicated one. Chronicles all, Oh, I can't. i got to be troubled tonight. Stare at a wall. Almost Mario Lopez all, Yo, I said come, let's squash it, alright? Chronicles all Okay, I guess you're my best option Friend-wise, even though you just moved here Three days ago, and all we do is get arrested And fight Mario Lopez all, I said squash it Fucking friends now, yo Peace, shit, fuck you then Chick Chronicles all Uh, when's this movie over? Tell me go. Here. <laughs> but he's acting. He's not. That was the right. Mario Lopez all. Also, I need you to rob a pharmacy and bring enough drugs to the party tonight to satisfy 400 spring breakers. Chronicles all. Wait, you're rich. What was your plan if I said no? Mario Lopez is all. Yo, I said squash it! Don't stay a mall, neither. Don't say a mall. Remember? So Chronicle finds out his dad's name by asking the black guy in a scene not worth her time. From this, he somehow learns about Theon and goes to the junkyard. Theon's all, wow, what a wild 15 years it's been here at my garage. Ugh, so much has changed. It's totally different set dressing, makeup, everything. Man, your dad was great, though. Nobody put a gun in my mouth like him. I can show you some other stuff. Places where he threw his cigarette butts. <laughs> Tom's cat. <laughs> Treesy shit here. But not pines. Eventually, Chronicle gets a gun with money from who knows, but doesn't shoot anybody, then walks a thousand miles to a barn in Nebraska and buys a motorcycle with a bunch of cash he got from somewhere. The farmer's all, you ever ride one of these before in your life? You need a license, too, by the way. <laughs> Zach's it. He's product of a weird birth, too. Instead of answering, Chronicle putters off screen. Ring, ring. Leave a message after the beep. Also, if this is Gosling Jr., you're grounded. Even Mendez as Edith Bunker. Beep! 
I have a Mendez hospital calling. Hey, we got the test results back. And actually, your son's the black guys, after all. Defies all medical logic, but compared to most of the shit that's happened 15 years ago. Uh, have a great next 15 years. Click. The end. <laughs> I just don't care anymore. That's all right, hard. well, this yeah. podcast actually marks a, a bit of a milestone for uh, uh, for our podcast in that... From now on, I am the only person who can say I have seen all of every movie that we have talked about. Oh, Dingus fucking... <laughs> Dingus... So here's what, what happened. Dingus actually had to miss part of the middle of the movie because of a family thing that came up. He had to take a phone call. Oh. Uh, he got back into the, the end of the movie. But when I saw it, um, I basically told Dingus, you know what? I don't think you necessarily need to go back and rewatch it to see the middle of it. So basically Dingus uh, only knows about certain events in the middle of the movie from me explaining it to him and Kelly Wan from your uh, penopsis. I tried to stick to the facts. Uh, right. Fair enough. Good. More um, than the movie did. What did you, did you fuck with Dingus though? Like when you told him Return of the King was getting bad reviews? Oh uh, no, I should have done that. No, I did not. But Kelly, Dude. would you would you agree with that? If somebody misses the middle of this movie and they're like, "Well, you know, for the podcast, I should go back and see it all over again," right? Uh, do you agree, Kelly? Wan, if I told Dingus, uh, you know what, you kind of don't have to. I think that applies to the whole movie. Oh, so you're that down on it? Uh, it's. I watched Blue Valentine this morning, mm-hmm. and that movie is amazing. Um. And it's about human beings who are believable and believably <laughs> flawed and miserably learning universal truths, which is basically the, the Gosling character doesn't deserve the showing character. But this movie, uh, A, nothing happened, nothing interesting happens after the sons meet, so I jettisoned the whole third act, and I didn't believe in anything. Like, the fucking cops show up to his house and go, okay, we need you to come along. Like, why do I even need to bring him? Nothing makes sense. Motivation is uh- dumb. This is a this is a tough follow up to Blue Valentine. I think yeah. if you go into this as as I did and as I suspect Dingus did, if you go into this thinking, oh, this is the next movie from the guy who did Blue Valentine, I think you're kind of setting yourself up for a fall. It's like when I told you when you saw Spring Breakers, and I go, I can understand you not wanting to see Gummo based on that. Like after I saw this, I went, are they high? Like now I have to see Blue Valentine to see how dumb Tom and Dingus are. But then I watched <laughs> it and it was amazing. Right, and. Um, but this right, is so, not amazing. So Kelly Wan down on this. Dingus, uh, from based on what you've seen, uh, what's your overall take on uh, The Place Beyond the Pines? I really like the first movie. I don't mean Blue Valentine. I mean that first movie where uh, the dude rides around in that uh, shark cage of motorcycles. Dingus, it's a, first of all, it's a shark cage. No, no, it's a hamster ball, as everybody knows. Uh, very good. The hamster ball of motorcycles, and they get shot out the window. I think that would have been an excellent movie to watch. Uh, so you, I like that movie. Sorry. I like that movie very much. But uh, it's having to sit through the, you know. But you're right. Uh, I fully intended to go out and watch the movie again. I'm glad you steered me away from it, uh, because once you get to the 
the end of the triptych, you're just like, come on. And I haven't even seen the middle of the movie at this point because, again, I had to leave in the middle of the movie. It's also the weirdest third, so in a way maybe you should have seen it. But the the end is just – you're just like, will you end this already? And if ever I'm feeling that in a movie, will you end this already? I know we're in bad territory. I wasn't nearly as impatient with it um, because I thought it would do something very different. Like I, I thought it was going to have uh, a more tragic or operatic yeah. ending because this is basically a melodrama. I, I would sort of categorize this as a melodrama. Um, <clears throat> so I thought it was going to wind up to something. And instead, it kind of felt like it, it fizzled out. Yeah. Uh, like as far as melodramas go, this is a melodrama in which let – me, let me sort of lay out some of this. No one gets revenge. No one is redeemed. No one sacrifices himself. Uh, no one falls in love, uh, and no one gets his heart broken. Uh, This—it's uh, like nothing happens. I mean, even the middle part where Bradley Cooper has this rise to power, uh, and I kind of admire the weird structure, even if I didn't feel it was entirely successful. But even that middle part where Bradley Cooper becomes the district attorney, what the what propels him to power? Is nothing to do, not nothing, but has almost nothing to do with the characters. It's based on this separate, they want him to take cocaine out of the evidence room, right. which has nothing to do with the substance of him having shot Ryan Gosling. Uh, I guess he's a hero, so that helps. But it just seems like there's, th- this is a, a melodrama missing focus and actual events that I expect. Um, and all the way up through to the end. So I guess I wasn't like waiting for it to end. I was expecting something bigger to happen. Uh, something explosive, or uh, and, and what it reminded me of, uh, and this isn't a fair comparison because Derek C. in France, this is his second movie. Uh, I figure, I, I, I assume he's a young guy. Uh, there's a lot of raw genius in Blue Valentine, and some of the direction here was pretty nice. But what Place Beyond the Pines reminded me of, and I think what is the model for me for this kind of movie, is the second movie from. Uh, 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 Guillermo Arriaga and Alexandro, Alejandro Inarritu. They're the guys that did Amoros Paris. And then their second movie was called 21 Grams. Mm-hmm. Um, and 21 Grams, very much a melodrama. I mean, if you were to basically look at what happens in 21 Grams, it's a freaking soap opera. It's implausible. Um, it, it's, you know, it's soap opera-y kind of stuff. Um, but in, uh, in 21 Grams, uh, there's this incredible power to the performances, uh, and, and, and there's, a, there's so much interaction amongst the actors about the substance of this melodrama. In Place Beyond the Pines, it's sort of like no one interacts with anyone else about what's going yeah. on, and it's all about when are they going to find out these things, and, and when is there going to be an explosive reaction or a finale, uh, and that, that never really happened. Uh, it just kind of felt like there, there wasn't a lot of energy into where these characters are going. And even when Dane DeHaan at the end, I, I didn't understand why he didn't, like, I, he, he sets where all this up. Where is he going? Yeah. yeah, where is he going and what is he going to do? And, and he doesn't even, the reveal that Bradley Cooper has been carrying the photograph around did not lead to Dane DeHaan's decision. No. It was fallout after the fact. You know, that, that could be a powerful moment, but in Place Beyond the Pines, it just kind of happens after the fact, just by coincidence, because he's emptying out his wallet. Uh, and he's already decided, okay, I'm just out of here. Um, yeah, Bradley so, Cooper, like, they show up at his house and basically make him go to Mendez's and then find the money. And so, like, that's not, like, his character. I guess all just, of that 
all of that is implausible and silly. Totally implausible. What they know that she, the mom's going to be there and she's not going to be legal. like what? The and that the, he... that the money is hidden under the baby right. care. It's like that first place they live. Yeah, go upstairs and Scotty's lying about. Oh, if I was hiding money, it would be close to my heart. Bingo. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the whole the, I, what I can kind of respect about that Kelly Wan is I think the whole point of that scene was to get Bradley Cooper to hold the child of the man that he shot. You know, and it's just this really contrived it's way to do that. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's right. part of the problem, I think, with Place Beyond the Pines compared to something like 21 Grams. All of those moments just feel so contrived in Place Beyond the Pines, you know, holding the baby. The fact, for instance, that uh, they uh, Derek C. and Franz obviously wanted to shoot this big, gorgeous scene in a cathedral of the baby being baptized. And it just felt so silly, like. Now we're going to go to a cathedral and have the baptism scene. And I contrast that with the way religion was used in 21 Grams, where everything that happens in 21 Grams is just so so integral to who the characters are. And it just flows so naturally. And uh, and here it just felt like, yeah, let's we want a scene in a cathedral. Um, yeah. We want it to look good and cinematic. So what I ended up telling Dingus is, you know what, don't. Go see. Don't don't bother going back to sit through the rest of uh, to sit through Place Beyond the Pines again, so you can see the middle. Instead, finally watch Twenty One Grams. So I gave uh, Dingus homework instead. But the third act's the weakest act. So in a way, what well, Dingus, Dingus did see the third act. It was just a section in the middle that he missed. It doesn't. It's you were right. It's like you know, there's nothing. There's no information. In the second act will have any bearing. Like, if he just gets the photo. But then the money goes back into the bag in the evidence room, and that's the end of that shit. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. That's, it's that's... like a drama is defined by, oh, okay, it would be, if it was a thriller, more would be happening, it would be more exciting, and these decisions would make more sense. Or if it's like super style, like Drive, then that's the star of the movie. Well, I'm guessing, Dingus, that's why you say you like the first movie. Uh, that's part of it. It's it's also the sense that um, the actor actually has weight in in the first movie. Oh, you're so mean to Bradley Cooper. Come on, Dingus. Well, here's the here's the thing. When when I, I'm not a big fan of Sean Penn in certain roles. Um, uh, I love Naomi Watts. I'm crazy about her, and I love Benicio del Toro. But when I think about the way those actors move in 21 Grams, they have, and, and I'm not making some sort of, I'm not trying to make some sort of joke about the the title of the movie, um, but for whatever reason, those actors have real substance and weight to them. And in Place Behind Beyond the Pines, it seems like those actors are constantly getting their weight stripped away from them so that they become less and less uh, interesting and less and less they, – they have less and less emotional impact as the movie goes on. And, but when I watch Twin and Grabs, I just think of the way Benicio Del Toro walks or the way Naomi Watts can look at any singular moment in that movie. Uh, those actors have so much weight and so much power to them, and there's nothing in this in this movie as it continues and as it progresses that that gives those characters any weight for me and, and so as you get to the end of it it's just we uh, for me that's why i'm that's why i'm thinking go ahead and end it already i love that you put it that way dingus because it really is part of it that's the way it's written in a way is so much of the movie is about the characters not knowing 
the relationships or what's going to happen or even what has happened. You know, early on, I love watching Ryan Gosling, and he's just a captivating actor to watch. But he's an un. I mean, he's he's a real jerk in this movie. Uh, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for him, except for the fact that, you know, he's a, a good-looking, soft-spoken, cool dude, and he's got all those nifty tattoos, and, and he's obviously the main character, so you're kind of rooting for him. But nothing he does in the movie seems to me like the kind of thing you, a responsible protagonist yeah, would do. He's an idiot, basically, yeah. He's he's making bad decision after bad decision. Right. You know, when he clocks Kofi with the, the Allen wrench, I was like, that's it. I'm I'm not into you anymore. <laughs> you know, you're – okay, you're you're now the bad guy in this movie. I did not realize that was going to happen, but but fair enough. You are no longer uh, someone who I like that much. Um, so then he gets killed off, and then it's like, oh, another hour. Well, but see, that's the thing. So then he gets killed off, and then, then basically we're watching Bradley Cooper, and Ding is talking about a lack of weight. I actually like Bradley Cooper playing that kind of role. Uh, like, I think he proved as an actor, he proved himself just fine to me in Silver Linings Playbook. Um, but he's here playing a character who's pretty oblivious to what's going on and who doesn't have much weight to him. I mean, that's the way it's written. And now we're watching this character Again, he's kind of unsympathetic. He's a pushover. He's in over his head. He doesn't really know how to do what he wants to do. And then when he finally does have this power grab, he's kind of unsympathetic. So there, there's a lack of weight. And then so much, I love Dame DeHaan, and I really enjoyed watching him in the third part as an actor. I think the guy is great. But again, he doesn't know the substance of what we've just been sitting through for two hours. Uh, so it's a, it's a kind of an odd experience, and there is a bit of a lack of emotional weight. We're just watching a troubled kid, and we know a lot more about him than he knows about himself. And so when this realization comes, maybe there's going to be a payoff, but the realization comes, and I don't know what kind of payoff we were supposed to get. Yeah. That. And he so, finds out that, like the dad tells him in a scene you don't see, too. We do see that. Well, we do, we do see when, uh, when Kofi tells him uh, his father's name, yeah. Yeah, well, then what do they talk about? How much? Well, then he Googles his father. Uh, the conversation ended after the name giving. All right, later. Good luck with that. You might want to Google it. <laughs> I see what you're or, saying. Or, okay. hey, when you Google it, you might read some shit that's really dumb and will make this movie way longer and stupid. <laughs> so so I, I missed that. Kofi is the one who tells him his father's name. Kofi's still around by that point? Dingus missed a Star Wars reference, Kelly Wand. Uh, yeah. Because uh, Kofi is basically... Right. There, there's a, there, And actually, I, this is another reason why I kind of liked the third, even though I question its its dramatic role. Uh, I really liked watching Dane DeHaan with the actor who played Kofi. There's a good scene of, with Dane DeHaan and, and Ben Mendelsohn, who I loved in this movie, by the way. Uh, so there's a couple of good scenes. That's the other kid. Let me, let me just say that more Ben Mendelsohn in any movie is yes. going to be fine with me. Good God, that guy is so good. And watching him here being so just awful, it just, it just such an awful person. I love that guy so much. I kind of feel sorry for him. Why do you say he's an awful person, Dingus? No, I just, I, just he just... First of all, it's the second movie that we've watched in as many weeks where somebody has to fillet a gun. Um, and second, of, and and next, I just love the way he's just sort of stumbling and drunk and he's pathetic and pathetic. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a good way okay, to put it. Fair, yeah. He's just so pathetic, but he's so good at that. Right. And then uh, you know because my introduction to him was in Animal Kingdom, where he's so menacing. 
Right. And uh-huh. here he's just so pathetic. I and love And so is Gosling, and they're all pathetic. It's a story about pathetic people, multi-generation. Oh, you know, I, Kel- yeah. I think he, he's just such a great actor, and watching him just sort of disappear into Dark Knight and then have him do this in this movie after seeing Animal Kingdom, I, I can't, I just, more of him is going to be great. Uh, speaking of pathetic characters, good lord, uh, Bradley Cooper's son? Jeez, oh, that yeah. guy made me so glad I grew up in the South. <laughs> I mean, <geez. laughs> is that what people are like in New, around New, New York? York? Oh, Jesus, that guy was awful. But, yeah, yeah and, and easily. I agree with but Yeah, Bradley Cooper didn't want to live with him. But I thought the whole thing was like, oh, this is what happens if, you, if the father's not around. It's like a morality play about, I don't know. Well, for whatever reason, he what, a, what an awful character. I mean, and that's, you know, so Dingus, you, you mentioned a lack of weight. Uh, and also, Kelly Wan, like you said, yeah, so many of the characters in the movie are kind of pathetic. Uh, Which is fine. That, I well, I guess, uh, I guess it's, yeah, it's, okay. It, it's hard to act, so it's like, a, a, it's never an acting issue. It's always a writing issue. The writing's fucked. Like, they have to carry so much water. It's right. Hard. And also, again, and I, I hate to keep bringing up 21 Grams, but good Lord, I, I love that movie. Like, I think of all the ancillary roles in this movie. Like, you know, poor Eva Nipples. Uh, I've just, they, they gave her nothing to do, uh, really. She was, uh, it, um, who played um, uh, Bradley Cooper's wife? Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne. Yeah. They get nothing, to, she gets nothing to do. Yeah, she, um, she, she's a great anchor, too. Actually. What happens to her? I mean, I remember her in the first part, and then when nothing. I her back. Yeah, they, the, the, they didn't get divorced. Yeah, after the 15 years later title card, they have a conversation where it's clear that they're divorced. But there's no counterpart. I think in a, in a well-written, you know, melodrama, like you, if you think of 21 Grams and you think of freaking Melissa Leo or Eddie Marson in that movie, oh. uh, th- those those people just blew my mind in that movie every bit as much as the main actors because it's so well-written. It's, you know, it, as a drama, it's so intricately, powerfully pieced together and here we just have the three main characters, and then just supporting characters sort of orbiting around them. Yeah, it's like. least in Twenty One Grams. It's like it's about the heart and battles about a gun. But in this, what's the fucking MacGuffin? Fucking money. <laughs> yes, yeah. One of the things that was disappointing to me and was one of the things that I really liked about that first movie of uh, this particular place behind the pines. I really like that feeling of, oh, we're handing off the story to somebody else. And I had this feeling of, oh, that's going to happen later on, too. And, of course, I missed the center part of the movie, and I asked Tom, because in uh, in that first part, it's like, I didn't realize that was Bradley Cooper until he looked out the window. And I was like, oh, that's Bradley Cooper. Who the, what the hell? I didn't know that was him. And, and I love that they shot it that way, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked that, yeah. Well, I do too, and I and I love the fact that that's how he's running his career. Uh, he could he yeah. could just do a bunch of bland leading man roles and run that into the ground and then be done. But he's doing other interesting things, and I like that he appears in this movie this way. And when I saw him, I, re- I went, oh, they're handing the football off to him. Now he's going to run with the story for a while. Uh, and then I came back into the movie, and I wondered if there was that similar transition where where for the final third of the movie, uh, the the story football got handed off to somebody else, and Tom said, "No, it was just a title card that said 15 minutes or 15 15 years later." And that's so disappointing. Why why couldn't you have thought of a, a more clever way to give your final third of the movie 
to some other character to run with instead of just doing a title card. When you had such a great transition, I thought it was a great transition from the first to the second third of the movie. Yeah, it's going to be tough, though, when you want it to be about the grown-up children, though, uh, in order to do this. And I don't even know if this is what it was, but if you want to do a kind of sins of the father storytelling bit, you either need that title card or I guess maybe you just have to assume the audience knows. But, I, you know, Kelly Wan, you say, like, what was the MacGuffin? Do you guys think that's kind of what's going on with this, that it's sins a sins of the, of the father kind of... Yeah, but that stuff, it's like, they were all... The fathers were fucking idiots. I mean, especially Gosling. Like, he was a father because he didn't wear a rubber or something like what and he's got to rob banks like that's his first that's his go-to plan <laughs> i don't tell him like, he's not making enough money fixing cars come on but that's not the of the father thing that's just like oh i'm gonna just jump off my wind just jump into a balcony i don't fucking know like well, I, not... I think part of what i i think the dramatic he dies later than he should <laughs> Oh, Kelly (laughs) White. Well, and he dies so stupidly. Like, to to be so careful about the bank robbing and then to go in without his sunglasses and just blow it all at that point. I mean, I guess what we're supposed to take from that is that without Ben Mendelsohn helping him, he's too rash. I I don't know. But. Or. Well, and then even Mendez, like, doesn't like him anymore. And so that's supposed to be why he's. he's Well, again, I mean, it's another bad decision to hit Kofi. Like, to to be such an ass barging into their house and, and, and to not sit down with, with Kofi and say, look, I know you're, you're his father too. I, you know, I want to give you guys this crib. I mean, why was he so antagonistic? And that, that okay. immediately, that's a bad decision. I'm like, well, screw you. you know. Uh, so I, I think part of what maybe the movie wanted to be poetic about or the kind of the dramatic through line was this idea that at the end of his life, his final request to Eva Mendez is don't tell him about me is I don't want my son to know about me. Um, that that's his... Is that his redemption? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what I think the movie... Then the kid hates to. her for that and goes, you're a liar. And then also... But then uh, him learning about his father, though, if that's the case, I think that needs to be... You know, it's an important moment. But just the fact that he pals up to Kofi and says, you know, okay, tell me my dad's name. And then Kofi does. Like, if it's Bradley the- Cooper had somehow been instrumental to that, I could see more narr- more dramatic right. structure there. But it seems like I-, I get the sense that's what the movie wanted us to know about Ryan Gosling's character. Oh, well, I didn't end- know that. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I missed all of that. Because what I heard was him saying, don't, don't tell him about me, don't tell him about me. Right. And I didn't realize that. Eva Mendez had honored that, yeah, and yeah. that Kofi then, then Kofi, off screen tells him. No, no, he tells Star him off screen. There's, there's a well, scene, and this is what I was going to mention before. Dingus, you missed a Star Wars reference. There's a shot of of Dane DeHaan and Dingus. Do you know the name of the actor who played Kofi, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I do, but uh, he's got a couple. They, uh, I yeah, have no they, idea what the next word is. Oh, wait, is it hard to pronounce or something? Is that what you're saying? It is. It's it's not just that, but he's got a really cool name. It's Maharshala Ali. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that name in the credits. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Maharshala. But, but but in in other movies, in other movies that he's been in, it's it's a much longer, cooler name. And I I, I, did, I was gonna kind of play around with that, but but anyway, it's Maharshala Ali. And have we seen him in other movies? Do you know his name from other movies? I don't. He's okay. been in a lot of um, 
a lot of TV kind of things. Okay. But he was in he was in Predators, and and the and the name he uses in that, and this I just love this that, and I don't know how to say it, but it's Maher. Maharshala Hazabaz Ali. I mean, it, <laughs> That's awesome. It's much longer, but he but he just he shortened it to Maharshala Haz. Right. Well, uh, there's a scene with Dane DeHaan and and Ali, and they're they're basically eating. I think they're like at a hot dog stand or something, and they're eating. And Dane DeHaan is like, "Tell me my, you know, uh, tell me about my father." And uh, Kofi says, "Look, I'm your father." And Dane's like, "No, you know what I mean." And and, and Kofi says, "Search your feelings. You know it to be true." I'm your father. <laughs> and they laugh about that. So there's a Star Wars joke in there that you missed. And then Blue Valentine has the same kind of thing, which is kind of weird. Like, uh, but then he tells him, okay, your father's name was uh, was Ryan Gosling or whatever he says. He tells him the name, and then we see Dane DeHaan Googling it. So the thing is, yeah, Eva Mendez kept her promise. And, and I think maybe that was like a central point of Ryan Gosling's like redemption or his decision at the moment of his death or whatever. Um, but even the unraveling of that just seems like, you know, I, I don't it didn't seem like a very dramatic thing. It just seemed like, oh, it, it was that simple. Um, and then does Kofi tell her, hey, by the way, I told him. So now he's going to say he's going to call you a liar and hate you. And it's kind exactly. of exactly all- right. Right. Exactly. Like in, if. Yeah. What's the dramatic fallout? Right. Of this? Is there any? Didn't, I guess we're not privy to that. Um, we get the word liar in the hospital bed from him, and then and then he runs away from home and never sees her again, for all we know. So it kind of matters. Kofi yeah. sort of fucked up the whole family. Yeah, nice work, Kofi. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. You By the way, that is one of the weirdest exits on a motorcycle since the Master. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, chick. <laughs> I, I like this. I like that you guys have told me though that Kofi was around for that fifteen years. I mean, and critical to the plot. I, I like that. I like that that family remained intact. I wonder what happened to them. I'm kind of more interested in them than I am in the rest of the movie. Uh, Kelly Wan, you should know this. What is the protocol after a drug bust? Like, if you've handed over the drugs that you were given money to buy, and then you both get busted. Uh, are you still accountable for because it because the the, the douchebag New Yorker told Dane DeHaan, look, you got you know, you have to get me this Oxycontin because of the drug bust. Shouldn't shouldn't the dude like Dane DeHaan bought the drugs and then handed him over to douchebag New Yorker. Right. He's not on the hook for that anymore. Right. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. I thought you're talking about the brick in the evidence cage. The mustache needed. No, no, that we don't. Yeah, we're not privy to what happened. Different with drug. That. Also, what, yeah. what does OxyContin do? What's the whole big deal about? Is that what all the kids are into these days? That stuff's too intense. What That's does it do? To like dying people. Um, no, it's like morphine and shit. It's hardcore. Uh, do you guys know who did the the score for this movie? <laughs> you mean scored the oxy? <laughs> Not that score, the music, oh. the musical score. By the way, I haven't been caught. I, so but I early wish. on, it sounded, it reminded me of Twin Peaks music. It was very a- Angela Battlementi. Uh, it's Mike Patton, isn't he the Faith No More guy? I like when Dingus says long words. <laughs> Is it so? No, Mike Patton. Uh, video gamers know him from uh, like Left for Dead. Uh, but he was the guy in Faith No More, and he does the voice for the little Darkling guy in, the, in those Darkness games. Um, and he does the zombie voices, I think, in, in uh, Left for Dead. And he did the music for uh, for 
uh, Place Beyond the Pines, which I liked for the most part, but every now and then it felt like he was scoring a horror movie. It's a weird. It seems like a hard movie to know how to score, though, because you're like, is this serious or does he not know? But I also wonder if they knew what movie they were making before they edited it. Mm. Like, is Leota not going to kill Bradley Cooper in the Pines? Bradley, poor Bradley Cooper gets marched out into the trees to be shot twice in this movie. Not once, but twice. More bad planning by Leota. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You follow me. We're going to drive into the woods so I can shoot you. Yeah. You follow me in your car. I'm going to act really suspicious and, like, give you the, dude, I'm totally going to shoot you in the head look when we drive off. And then I'm going to drive really slow. And then. That's the worst plan since this. There's a a movie called Looker where. Cops. (laughs) They're dirty cops. You think they'd be. Oh, Looker, go on. I like what I'm hearing. There's 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 a chase scene in Looker where they've got a gun. It's like, like light. Yeah, and if if you're looking at it when they shoot it into your face, I think you get hypnotized or something. So there's a scene where I guess it's Albert Finney is in a car, and the bad guys are trying to track him down and shoot the little light at his face. So, you know, Albert Finney is in front, and he's driving away, and they come up behind him, and they come up to the side of him, and they pull in front of him to turn around and so they can shoot him through the wind through his windshield and he just turns right you know and they, they're like and he loses them that way because yeah. you can't chase someone from the front uh, sure, at least Theron didn't know that does that oh, mean? Three, oh no no I didn't mean that I didn't want it. no no come on come on we can't that's too weak no see Britney music it should be something Kelly, what, once you, not like another once you invoke once you invoke Prometheus, Kelly Wand, it's all over but the crying. Uh, I feel bad now. If it's not a sex joke, it shouldn't. You just have to keep waiting forever. Just like the movie. Also, speaking <laughs> of sex, if I may, is the Captain's Bridge Hotel Room in Blue Valentine's a real place? The We're day. going to the future. Uh, future. I only saw the movie today, so you guys are totally bored talking. I'm about so it. I'm so, so happy you love that movie. I love that it movie. So, so great. It's so freaking good. Oh, I mean, you love those act, and just I felt so glad for everyone involved. Like we like, and the guys, the director who I just seen the Pines movie of, it's like he, like paid, like he lost money on it. It's labor of love. He was gonna do them like it's young and old, like five years apart, but then they didn't have the money to do it or something. But Gosling's super good in that movie, like way better even than he is in... in they both are, yeah. That, and yeah, Kelly Wan, if you had seen that on the year it came out, it might have made your top ten list. But now instead, you've got in your top ten list stuff like, I don't know, King's Speech. <laughs> Dread. <laughs> Dread 3D. Uh, are you guys ready for a 3x3? Three three? Yeah! Kelly Wan, what is this week's 3x3? Three three? Why don't you introduce us? Tell us what it is, why you picked it. What the, what the cinematic significance of it is, that sort of thing. Mm, I really picked it at the time because I wanted to hear you say it, because um, I knew you'd think it was really stupid. <laughs> and you'd go, join us next week for lasers, like three best lasers, and also please no fine. But uh, uh, Kelly Wand, uh, the joke's Hi. on you, because I like this 3x3. Three three, I so do, then. too. I actually came up with something good, and there's like a ton of reader submissions. So yeah. I, I pinched the zeitgeist nerve. Well, uh, I I will be starting. Diggis doesn't sound like he's unanimous on this. Well, I just don't like you saying pinched nerve. P 
pinch. I don't like the the implication of you pinching something. Yeah, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Keep your hands off of it. Sets him off. That's what set Dingus off. Just like Timmy and the Walls. Wrong name. Thanks. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, I get to go first because I'm introducing next week's 3x3. So I'm just going to go ahead and nab the crotch laser from Goldfinger. Uh, oh, oh, that's a good one. Okay, that's a euphemism, but what do you mean? What's it represent, Tom? You're nab- nabbing the crotch laser. What does that mean? <laughs> should add three storylines about the laser. Do you expect us to listen to this, Tom? <laughs> no, Dingus, I expect you to die. See, and I didn't know, by the way. I went back and looked at the scene. I had no idea that that was an actual in-earnest line from a James Bond movie. I just thought it was an Austin Powers joke. Uh, so I think that's hilarious that the, do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die, Mr. Bond. Have you ever seen had, that movie? Where did you get this? Did you just go searching for this? What are you talking about? Where did I get this? You never well, even watched Goldfinger. No, no, I've seen James Bond movies as a kid. I don't remember them. But everybody remembers that scene, though. I mean, that's that Goldfinger. is... That is iconic. It's a weird one because it's like it seems to be people's favorite of the Connery ones, or even all of them. But it's if you watch it, to me, it doesn't hold up because he's a fucking captive for the whole movie, and he keeps getting out of shit through like Deus Ex Machina shit, including the crotch laser. He just like says something, and they're all, "Oh wait, he said the thing," so then they just turn it off instead of using like a badass gadget. And at the end, it's like the bomb. It's like some dude just comes in and turns it off, and it says 007, but it's like he doesn't defuse it because he's a fucking idiot. Hey, Kelly, one, how does he get out of the crotch laser? He tricks Goldfinger into turning it off by going, hey, I may know something about something dumb, Fort Knox, yada, yada. <laughs> so, it's, the, it's the fallacy of the talking killer. It's that thing that Ebert right. created that he, he's no, going to make you talk. The talking. Can, no, you no. Imagine, can you imagine going back in time to when our parents thought Goldfinger was so great, and then at that time forcing them to watch uh, Skyfall? And oh, they would, they, yeah, their they, eyes would have started bleeding. The movie-going experience would fall apart for them entirely, Dingus, yes. Um, Wait, so, uh, you think that? Uh, Skyfall is so, such a freaking great movie. And if, if I had made my dad watch Skyfall right after watching Goldfinger, he, his eyes would have, his eyeballs would have started bleeding. You say that, but I bet if you did, he would go, yeah, it's not like they'd find some way to, like, our generation had it better or whatever you show me. I'm well, talking about another- time travel here. Oh, uh, here's here's another example. Wouldn't Kelly. that be a bigger deal to him than the James Bond movie? We should go, wow, you guys got time machines? Why don't I just see all the James Bond movies from a thousand years from now? What's Sky Paul? Sorry. Your hypothesis is interesting. I'm ruining it. Uh, I didn't know Kelly Wan that he talked to like I I guess I didn't because the clip stops that I saw uh, after the the famous line but I just assumed he would have like a crotch mirror or something that that deflects the laser they use it and he's just immune to it because his dick's that awesome Mm, that's if Kelly if Kelly Wan wrote James Bond movies yes (laughs) dick's Uh, that awesome all right so there's my number three uh, favorite laser Dingus what's your number three favorite laser all right here's a quote from it. Uh, bio readouts are all in the green. Looks like she's alive. Well, there goes our salvage guys. That's not a. I guess it is a laser, isn't it? Yeah. And the thing is that, like that, that was such high tech at the time. It seemed like this. No, please, it's aliens. Oh. They have wait. a scanner. The salvage crew has like a scanner that that's. I love that laser. I love the yeah. way it looks. I love. I when, when you talk about lasers, I you know I decided not to really think about weapons so much. Um, and I really like the way that 
that scanner laser works and i just like the way it looks it's that the the sort of scissoring look as the thing goes in through the shuttle and uh, discovers whether or not there's anything in there and then discovers where ripley is i love the way that laser looks that's one of my favorite lasers now i have a question because that when you see aliens it's obviously a practical effect uh kelly wand is the laser in goldfinger like a practical effect or is it some because I don't remember from the video. It was a trained laser, which is why your mom sanctioned it. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, Dingus, so uh, Aliens, uh, number two pick. That is a famous, that's certainly an iconic that laser. One. That's how done. I'm just, I don't know, I haven't seen Aliens in a while. Well, Aliens opens with the shuttle door being... Uh, oh, that laser. Oh, reverse yeah, they of, cut the door. Yeah, they cut the door open, oh, the door falls down, right, and so. this sort of like robot head peeks in, and it peeks around with the laser, and then these guys come in in suits, and they pull off their, their masks and say the line Dingus just said. Dingus, let's hear that again. <laughs> Bio-readers are all in the green. Looks like she's alive. Well, there goes our salvage, guys. So, I, I But I just love that way that laser looks. I mean, the the thing that burns the door is a welding thing. I don't know if that... Right. I don't know if you call welding... That's not a laser. That's that's no, no, welder. no. But I was, I was. But I'm talking about the. Yeah, I'm talking about the. The laser way on the sun is made of water, Tom. What's the reverse that's... of welding? What do you call uh, when you're reverse microwave? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, What is your number three choice for a famous laser? If someone told if if yes. someone told me microwave ovens use lasers, I would just go. Okay, like that makes more sense to me than what it actually is. It's they accelerate the molecules. They're just smaller, right? One laser, yeah, there's one laser for every molecule in a, in a microwave oven. That's correct. There's a striking lack of uh, products with the word laser in considering. Um, lasers. That's true. I forgot we can buy those. <laughs> anyway, uh, my theme of my 3x3 list is the de-evolution of the movie laser. Doesn't that sound exciting? Let's see where you go with this. Yeah, so Kelly Wanda actually has a themed list this time. Yeah, because lasers. Number three is the Logan's Run plastic surgery lasers, because it was A, the first laser I ever saw in a movie, and two, um, it was like a scary laser, because it like fucking cut holes in your skin. And then they healed them with steam, which I guess... Trump's lasers in the Logan's Run universe because he also uses it to uh, dissolve um, corpse remains through time lapse, like vaporize, kind of. So it was like the first laser I ever saw, and therefore the scariest laser I ever saw. What was your first laser, Zardoz? Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different three by three. Your first three lasers. Um. Logan's Run was the first laser, though. I think I saw. I do movie. remember Kelly Wand. Here you go. I remember going to a laser show as a kid. Ethereum. And thinking it was probably for like Dark Side of the Moon or something, and thinking that it was going to blow my mind and be awesome, and being a little like disappointed because <laughs> they just they just wiggle right. lasers around on the ceiling. And yeah, like, oh. they, your eyes don't burn out, and there's no. <laughs> Fuck that! And then you go, oh wait, everything's bullshit. These 3D glasses made of plastic and garbage. <laughs> Got it. And then, oh, we just live in that universe. Where everything's crap. All right, but lasers, let me uh, tell you guys my number two choice for a laser. Ready for this? Mm. This is actually, uh, should I make, yeah, okay, my number two is from um, a movie where it's based on a book. And in the book, they're not lasers. In the book, they're tranquilizer darts. But in the movie, 
at some point in the filming, they decided, you know, tranquilizer darts just aren't sexy enough. Let's turn these tranquilizer darts to lasers. So in this movie, a guy gets shot by lasers, but the lasers make him groggy. They what? Make they make him groggy. Because they let laser his brain like the... Well, it's, it's just a fallout from the script. Is he gets shot by lasers and then gets all sleepy and he can't move, and that never made any sense to me. And someone pointed out it's because in the book it was a tranquilizer dart gun and what these lasers are they're installed in a facility to keep lab animals from escaping and they're going to shoot you know in the book it's tranquilizer darts but in the movie they're going to shoot the lab animals and in this movie a guy has to escape through this uh this vertical passage where the to keep the lab animals out where the lasers are installed and he's got to get out of there in a certain amount of time to shut off a nuclear detonation that's going to destroy the facility so it's all about at the tense last moments as he's trying to climb up and a laser shoots him on the hand and he gets sleepy and he's trying oh. to get to the place where he puts the key in to shut, shut off the nuclear detonation and he's all groggy and he can't see and he makes it at the last minute and saves the day but those lasers are so goofy because they make him sleepy and anyway the movie which is based on a book is Andromeda Strain uh, I don't remember lasers in that movie. I'm really dumb. Yep. So the the lasers, the the one guy who's got to crawl up, and sh- the only guy who can shut off the nuclear detonation, uh, gets shot by lasers, and and it makes you know they do the effect where it makes his view all hazy, and he moves sluggishly from and, a hand wound. From a hand wound, yeah. I think well, I think it also gets him on the thigh or something, but he gets shot yeah. by him a couple of times. Um, That's where so, the fatigue gland is located. Do they call them tranquilizers? Nope, they don't even say – they say nothing about it, Dingus. It's hilarious. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, Andromeda Strain came out in, I want to say like 71 or something. That was so your back, first laser then. Back then oh, – I didn't see it when it came out. Uh, no. Back then, uh, I don't think anybody really knew they could do that because nobody really knew what lasers did. I mean, lasers were new enough that maybe they did make you groggy. Who knows? When you get shot by a laser, <laughs> it might put you to sleep. We, we don't know. Yeah. We haven't researched them enough. Uh-huh. And Kelly in Star Wars, too, it's like, they don't do what you would think until Luke gets his hand cut off. Maybe you should save that, because that could but be something. That's somebody. a lightsaber. That's not a laser. It's, it's a laser saber. Light. No. Light. It says light. <laughs> that's the... what laser says. Oh. Wait, light that's what the amplified is? strategically electronic refractory. Underwater breathing apparatus. <laughs> Uh, Kelly Wan, do you know Andromeda Strain at all? Uh, I don't see movies at all. It's also a Michael, it's a Michael Crichton novel. Yeah, it? I know. I remember there's three survivors. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I just skipped to that part. Uh, um, well, it opens with two survivors of the town, and nobody dies in the facility, by the way. Ah, Tom's cat. So there was a remake of Andromeda Strain uh, for TV. For I think it was like on... Uh, they didn't which, water it down. Boy, no, no, no. They didn't water it down because they wanted it. Was it called was called Armageddon. No, it was a, it was a two hour. Uh, it was a two episode uh, miniseries, each two hours. So they, it was, they stretched it out into a four hour show. Uh, and the point of Andromeda Strain is that a satellite that's been sent up to sort of gather any space particles. Uh, uh, it, it, I think they, it might even go through a wormhole. I forget if that's in the Crichton novel. But at any, at any rate, it then crashes back down to Earth, and it's got this space disease on it that ends up infecting human beings and destroying this entire town, and they study it. And fortunately, in studying it, it adapts and morphs and doesn't kill anyone. But the nuclear explosion 
that's going to supposedly shut it down will instead make it a super colony, and it'll basically destroy the Earth if the explosion goes off. So they have to shut it down not just to save themselves, but to save the planet. So in the remake, which uh, Tony and Ridley Scott, their production company, did it, and they produced it, made for TV, all you know, good-looking young kids as the scientists, Benjamin Bratt was the main yeah. scientist, um, they add into it like this whole government conspiracy subplot and um, – uh, what's the guy, Eric McCormick, the guy from Will and Grace? He plays like an intrepid reporter investigating everything. Because in Drama Strain, the original movie and the book takes place entirely in the facility. So Tony and Ridley Scott are like, we need to break this up. Uh, so, but, but furthermore, they add in time travel. Oh, and wormholes. Or and wormholes. Yeah, I don't know if wormholes were in the micro. I don't think Wait, they uh, So lasers tranquilize you, and what do they use for time travel? Baby powder. So time travel is that the disease was sent was sent back in time by eco terrorists. Oh, that's kind of a good idea. <laughs> All right, Kelly One. Well, you got you got four hours of made for TV movie to watch. Oh. Have fun. Wait, was that in the book? Future? Good Lord, no, no. There's no time travel in Andromeda Strain. It's basically isn't isn't sphere time travel like no, it's where an alien. it is an alien. Mm. It's been there I for three it... years. Well, then they get god powers, and they they kill some friends of theirs, and they go, oh, that's, that's crazy, and then they get rid of it by using the powers to get rid of it. What's the one where – isn't there a Michael Crichton thing where they're investigating something underwater that was sent back in time? It was like a U.S. Air Force experiment or something. Is that not Sphere? It's Sphere, but you're getting time and space mixed up. Which... <laughs> that's a... Very it's... common. Or as I call it, Friday night. <laughs> By the way, both L's and satellites stand for laser. <laughs> Good to know, Kelly Wand. You're welcome. Dingus, give us a line from your number two pick for a laser in a movie. It's a chemical laser, but in a solid, not gaseous form. Hmm. Tom? Uh, that's the explanation for how blasters work in Star Wars. <laughs> Delivered by Darth Vader to... This particular laser uh, ends up popping a huge amount of popcorn. Oh, that was almost my number two. Because it was lasers are our friend. You get yes, well, it could have been a horrible laser. Uh, this is the one I immediately thought of when you talked about best lasers, because I love the movie Real Genius. And what happens in the movie Real Genius is that the military laser is uh, retargeted and it ends up filling a house with popcorn. Wow, that sounds wacky, man. You know, I never understand that movie. They're supposed to be geniuses, but what do they... It's like there's a big thing where they find out they're going to use the laser to kill people, and then Val Kimmer's all, whoa, what? Hey, time out. Hey, wait a minute. Popcorn. Fuck that. That's not what I'm about. I'm going to use my genius for that. But it's like, what do they think they're making fucking lasers for, besides defense contractors? They think they're so smart. Dingus? That's what you're sanctioning. That's what I'm sanctioning. I'm sanctioning anything that pops popcorn and doesn't kill people. But the other laser they used to get laid at the pool party before that. How does that work? Dingus, explain it. Uh, I only know that they use a laser that is freezing and it goes through a bunch of walls and then a guy loses his job. I like Kelly Wan's version of events much better. They, it's like these lasers get the pool party, but the people at the pool party don't even care that the laser is there. They're like, yeah, spring break. 
right? Kelly Wan, give us an example of a laser that is uh, used to better effect than the laser at the pool party in real life. I see what you're doing there. You turn it around on me. So I <laughs> talk about my number two. Which right? is? Yes. Uh, remember the movie Laser Blast? I don't, but I was at, uh, where was I? Was it a theater? Oh, at one of the arc lights, they had all these sci-fi posters up, and there's a Laser Blast poster up there. I mean, I know of the movie, but I've never seen it. That was the first movie I think I fetishized, where I watched, I saw it like six fucking times. Like it was like, dude, this is serious business. It's like, because it's super, it's really the it's the worst piece of shit ever. Did you see it in the theater like I did? Do you remember? No, I've never seen it. I, I've never oh, seen. I've never seen it. I didn't know of it. Okay, check this. This is what the plot is: a dumb shit kid, like a lame ass loser kid, who's mocked by like the kids in like the nerds in Revenge of the Nerds mock him, like those mm-hmm. actors, and then. uh Two claymation aliens land in the sandbox near his house and shoot, like, another one. And then he finds that gun that the the dead alien had, and it turns him into a zombie the more he shoots lasers with it. (laughs) I think I did know about this. Yeah, so it's, uh, 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 he becomes the monster, basically. Yeah, but he, like, turns into, like, he gets, like, metal nipples at one point, and the doctor's all, I'm really puzzled by this, Billy. And, like, his girlfriend's all, uh, and there's drug <laughs> dealers he shoots with the laser. What happens to people who get shot by the laser? Uh, they, like, what's the effect? Do they blow up, or do they just, like, fall over and die? What does it do? They blow up, but then they bleed afterwards. It's not... But the car okay. comes up. It's different. depends on what he shoots. All right. and then the aliens what... go, oh, wait, we left the gun, and then they come back and just get it. But by then, everybody's dead, so it's kind of like, well... All right. Thanks, aliens. Yeah. All right, and Laser Blast. Uh, I'm very uh, upset you haven't watched it. Very upset. Well, I'm upset you haven't seen another poster that was up there, Kelly Wand. I'm upset that you haven't seen Without Warning. They had a poster for it up there. It's, not, uh, it's the thing I told you about where uh, aliens come to Earth and they hunt human beings, including David Caruso, and they throw a little frisbee, a little flesh, a little frisbee with a mouth that sticks onto you and kills you. So it's a little phantasmy, but fleshy. A little phantasmy, a little predatory, yep, and a little CSIE because of David Caruso. Yep. Poster's a warning. <laughs> That's true. For <laughs> the poster invalidates the point of the it movie. It should just be called warning. <laughs> Uh, all right, my my number one use of lasers, uh, which I actually completely misremembered where I first saw this. Uh, it's a, and then I thought I saw it in another movie, so I went back and watched Saturn Three. Oh, because I remembered in Nemo's Saturn in Three. It. Pardon? Nemo's in it. Uh, Nemo. Kirk Douglas. And no, Kirk Douglas is Ned Land. In in uh, uh, N- James Mason is Nemo in the the Disney Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Fuck you, chick. <laughs> James Mason was. Yeah. So in Saturn Three, I vividly remembered as a kid that Harvey Keitel murders someone and takes his place to travel to Saturn Three uh, by walking into a room and opening a gate to space. And then the person in the room that he's talking to gets sucked out uh, into the air, but for whatever reason they put a laser gate in front of in front of the airlock so that anything that's going to get sucked out will be cut up. I don't uh, know why you would put this. Yeah, there. why? Would, yeah, it seems like a waste of. I mean, if you're going to get sucked out into space, what does it matter if you're cut yeah. up into pieces? So I remember it's just, just being you, a, the audience. Right, exactly. It makes Five it more dramatic. Right. So I just remember seeing this as a kid and seeing the guy cut up by the laser gate. So I actually tracked down a copy of Saturn Three, watched it again. It's horrible. Um, and it's not a laser gate at all. It's just freaking wires. 
Um, so uh, then I was like, okay, I know I've seen that before, where Lasergate cuts somebody up. Let me see where I can first trace that to. So I was then pretty sure I saw it in one of the Cube movies that uh, Vincento Natale. That's the thing. It's yeah, not lasers. So the wow. only place I could verify that it was lasers at a, in a grid cutting somebody up was the first Resident Evil movie, where yeah. they have this really yeah. cool scene in the hallway where you know a, a laser beam stretching between two walls horizontally races down the hallway and it cuts somebody in half and then they have to jump over it and they have to duck under it and then the the one survivor guy grabs the ceiling and pulls himself up and it barely cuts the tip of his knife off and then the laser's coming back and right before it gets to him it totally cheats and duplicates itself into a whole row of lasers vertically and then turns horizontally into a whole grid of lasers so he's basically cubed he's turned into chum basically Uh, and I, I just that's the only place I could find that like laser gate cutting somebody up but i'm pretty sure i'd seen it somewhere else but it wasn't saturn 3 it wasn't cube so that's my number one pick is that that crazy cheating laser in the hallway in resident evil that's the first one i that's what i think it, it is sadly and it, you know i hate to give any credit to the resident evil movies so it took paul s anderson yeah to to show us that that horrible like a laser cutting someone to chunks it, he did earn mila jovovich <laughs> Fair and square. Get it square. Very good, Kelly Wand. All right, so Dingus, give us a line from your number one pick for a laser in a movie. <laughs> Dingus is dead. Just like, oh, get shut up. Hey, <laughs> all right. We can Dingus, or we can Dingus, or alternatively, Dingus, we can tell you more about Laser Blast. Remember I how? Can't, I can't wait to hear more about Laser said Blast. It's so miserable <laughs> when you're all, yeah, this is good. Lasers, and now look at him. Here's a here's a quote from my favorite. Uh, I can't stand this movie, but I love this laser moment. Uh, How did you get by the laser field in the Great Hall? So this one here, I actually know what it is because Dingus and I were talking earlier about the three by three, and we don't reveal our uh, we don't reveal our picks to each other. But at one point, Dingus just made a crack about, yeah, I'm going to use the laser from um, from Hudson Hawk, and I immediately was like. There, there's no such thing. But I immediately realized what Dingus's number one pick was, and I didn't know he was picking it. But I was like, "Oh, I need to, you, I need to mention that one." So I, and then Dingus like, "Don't you dare! That's my pick." So I know Dingus's pick because he brought up Hudson Hawk. So Kelly Wand, if someone says to you something about, "Hey, the laser scene from Hudson Hawk," ha ha, which doesn't exist, does your mind go to any laser scene similar to that? Like, does that lead you anywhere? Pink Panther. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, I don't know what you're trying for. Uh, Lady Hawk. You have the right idea, but come come closer in time to us today. Uh, Die Hard 5. Mm, back up. Back up, Kelly Wand. <laughs> but raise the number of sequel numbers. <laughs> Friday the 13th, 10. Oh, back up one. Uh, track one. Back up one. And yep. <laughs> what, what is it? Ninth. Ninth. Uh, no, no, no. You did not subtract one from thirteenth, Kelly Wand. Subtract one. Twelve ghosts. Keep going. Okay, now add Vincent Casal. Oh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Stop making up words. <laughs> also, a large body of water. Twelve oceans. Twelve. That's very good. Uh, Twelve oceans. That's the best movie. That's a really good movie. <laughs> it's the by the ninth ocean. You're like, fuck. It's so wet. Uh. Twelve. You've nine. got it, Kelly One. Kelly One, you've won. You've got it. You've guessed Dingus's number one pick of lasers. Twelve oceans. 
<laughs> oh, there's a laser in that? I saw uh, I didn't see this 12th one. All right, Dingus, tell us about the laser scene in Ocean's 12. Oh, okay, so it's uh, Vincent Cassell's... Uh, <laughs> its character's name is actually Francois Toulouse. This makes me want to see it. Uh, so, Lord, see what you've done, Dingus? I hope you're happy. I am very happy. It's a terrible movie, but this is a great little sequence. Is uh, you know, uh, Danny Ocean asks Francois <laughs> how he got in to steal the Fabergé Imperial Coronation Egg. How'd you get past those lasers? And instead of telling him this, we get to watch this awesome dance sequence. Uh, the the whole idea is that he's a he's evaded that quintessential laser security system by doing a dance sequence. And so it's this whole huge dance sequence square. Oh, it is like Hudson Hawk. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't know what Tom's talking about, about Hudson Hawk not having that, because it is. It uh, has a dance, it has a laser scene? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's like it's cat the, lasers. It's, yeah, it's, it's cat burglar lasers, where he... he Asks for a bunch of stuff, and then he puts, like, olive oil down on the floor and slides mirrors in and then uses hairspray to show Oh, it. God. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hates the hairspray part. <laughs> Fuck that. But, you know, Fuck you, chick. Hairspray rules. <laughs> in Ocean's 12, it's a great send-up because, because Vincent Cassell's character dances all around the lasers in this beautifully timed sequence. And what's weird about it is that if you if you really think about it, Danny Ocean is saying what happened, and this is this is another category Tom chose, which is uh, show not tell. I think it was, mm-hmm. and so this is if you imagine if you watch the scene from Ocean's Twelve where he's dancing through all these lasers, and you try to imagine this character is actually telling them this, it's really kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> But I love that 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 plays out. Uh, I don't like Ocean's Twelve at all, but I like that sequence very much. Ocean's Twelve does not appear on many three by threes. Someone else told me that Julia Roberts um, is at like to get past another laser gate. She pretends to be Julia Roberts. <laughs> Can you confirm that? that? No, that's not true. <laughs> what? And they but they don't even say her name. They're super coy about their all. Hey, she looks just like her. We could use her. Like, they didn't even do it in the first movie. No, it's very meta. There's a very meta thing about Julia Roberts actually playing Julia Roberts, yeah. I don't recall lasers being involved, though. It's not a vanity project, because... Uh, wait, it is a vanity project. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what's your number one pick for uh, uh, lasers in a movie? Oh, it's all about you, Tom. That's your hint. What's what's like, your favorite? What's Frank best... and Jesse? Oh, too soon. <laughs> Come on, really? Go ahead. Wait, wait, what do you mean? What's the best what? What were you going to ask me? What's like your... What's the... Jaws. Your, no, no. Not trained. Untrained lasers. What's your favorite laser in the last three... Since we've been doing the podcast, have lasers ever come up in a movie? Resident that, Evil. Wait, the uh, last... Dings, do you know what he's on about? I think he's talking about assassination of Jesse James. Oh, I hate you people. What about um, what's the most? What's the last time you had an uncontrollable uncontrollable laughing fit on podcast? Well, I never have that. Oh, oh, oh! oh. <laughs> the laser cane. Yeah, Tron, the legacy. Michael Sheen. That's yeah. awesome with his laser cane. Yeah, because they never hit anything. 
Yeah, I love that. It's does so he use it in angles? No, he's laughing and capering around. I mean, does he actually try to shoot anybody with it? I oh. forget. Isn't it a musical number? Good Lord, I just don't yeah. remember. Michael so shoots lasers. Laser. Right. And it's like, from Logan's run, like, lasers are scary and exotic to a dancing idiot, fucking nothing. <laughs> Totally meaningless, doing nothing, aimed at nothing. Is he shooting at anyone? Doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? He's dancing, CG, 3D, kill. Kelly Wan, do you know how that relates to the movie we're seeing next week? <laughs> uh, oh, wait, next week's... Uh, so the director of Tron, is his next movie is Oblivion, that Tom Cruise thing that we're going to see. Uh, oh, so maybe there will be dancing with laser canes in Oblivion. That's the scene that got Tom Cruise to sign on <laughs> Kelly, what do we have from readers? Oh, we got tons. I mean, eight of them. It's not really a ton, I guess. Bring it. I guess I'll read them. From Fred Bow, Fred and Lynn. Three, quite obvious, but here it is anyway. Laser cooks giant Jiffy Pop and real genius. I think huh. it's number two. The laser thingamabob and honey, I shrunk the kids. The thing that shrinks them. Is that what it mean? Does a laser shrink him? Because he's lasers for everything. Didn't do anything. Yeah. I think a laser digitizes Jeff Bridges and Tron too, doesn't it? Yeah. And then it and then they use it to move uh, that sailboat around later in yep. Tron. I think it's even called the the laser sailor. But it doesn't shrink you when you're in there. Fascinating one. The best use of a laser in a film. Hands down, the pistol-mounted laser sight the Terminator points Sarah Connor's head when he finds her in the nightclub. Mm. Awesomeness and real, too. Thanks for the love last episode, Fred and Lynn. Does that count, though, if it's a laser sight? Isn't that a different... Of course not. I mean, I mean of course it does, yeah. We'll see if anyone mentions the Predator laser now. <sighs> What's your what? prediction? I don't know. I, Just... I predict yes, yes. When I hear the word Predator, I sigh. Sorry. <laughs> Kyle, reaction. Yeah, just tired. Kyle Cavino, uh, hey guys, got a couple for best useful ages in no particular order. First aligned. Good luck with the floor, James. Oh, it's not that one, though. I've set the timers for six minutes. Who remembers this? <laughs> Don't they say that every movie? Is it every villain say something like this? The same six minutes you gave me, it was the least I could do for a friend. That would be Trevelyan, Taunting Bond, and Golden Eye. Remember the famous golden eye laser, Tom? I'm afraid I don't. The gold finger laser upstage. They took the crotch out. Right. Left the gold in. Man with the golden gun's got a laser, too, as a MacGuffin, even. It's like a sun laser. Remember? Uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. When Travel Lion faked his death years earlier on a mission in the movie Goldeneye, back, do you want to hear all this, Tom? Back when he and Bond worked together. <laughs> How much golden eye do you want? <laughs> number two. Uh, as, as much as delivered. Go on. Yeah. Uh, number two, do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. See? And uh, he doesn't have a number one. He only has two. Hmm. guess that's allowed, huh? Paul Weimer. I'm going to avoid a certain laser weapon on a space station that's not a moon. Number three, Vincent, were you programmed to bug me? No, sort of educate you. The laser shooting game between Vincent and Maximilian in the black hole. 
I need to see that again. There was a black hole poster up as well at the. There's line. also a part where an asteroid rolls towards them, and they have to run <laughs> at a perpendicular angle, unlike Charlize Theron. <laughs> now, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Paul Weimer's number two. Number one, self-realization. I was thinking of the immortal wounds of Socrates, real genius. Uh, popcorn. Uh, Robert Armitage. Number three, Tron, the laser that deconstructs Flynn and takes him in a Tron world. So the one in the first one. It taps into my fears of having my body deconstructed at a molecular level than being forced into blue-tinged gladiatorial combat. That's true. It's like once you're... It's like you think a laser's the end, but it's just the beginning of a nightmarish... More lasers, like nine million more lasers after the first laser. Mm-hmm. Continue, Wand. Number two, the human centipede. I think of Dieter Laser's character. <laughs> the centipede. That's a that's an acting coach. Yeah, it is. For all we know, he used lasers too. We don't see all the surgery scenes. The guy in the second one doesn't, even though it's. Uh, both the actors in this movie give vastly improved performances once they employ laser's method of having your mouth sewn to another person's asshole. <laughs> Number one, real genius. I'll be shocked if this movie hasn't come up already as the plot hangs on a laser. Um, yeah. Soren Hoagland. Hi, guys. I tried some other themes, considered trolling with an all-Star Wars list, but in the end I went with sheer destructive power. Because violence and explosions are fun. See, Tom themes. Well, I don't see how you can avoid the destructive power of a fully operational and armed Death Star. Dingus. Mm-hmm. You take that from him? I agree with the music. Number three, Tetsuo Kaneda, uh, the orbital death site in Akira. Yeah, I like that one because he dodges it and he's like a biker. So it's like his motorcycle skills help them avoid satellite lasers, unlike Hosling's motorcycle training. Number two, don't be proud. Death Star. Uh, number one, I expect you to die, Goldfinger. Because the only thing more impressive than blowing up a planet is being a credible threat to James Bond's dick. <laughs> Mason Matseka. Matseka? Hello, Tom Christian Kelly. I always mean to do the 3x3, three three, but forget until the next episode. This week I'm ready. Number three, a quote. Some kind of dormant defense mechanism. Ah, the Resident Evil one. I'm sure this was in someone's three-by-three. Three three. Yep. See, Mason and I think alike. Good good pick, Mason. You're going to like this even more. Number two is the Andromeda strain. The lasers are turned to sm- tuned to small animals, Mark. <laughs> you remember that line, Tom? Well, yeah, because that's why when they explain, you know, that you're going to be able to get out, you know, the lasers won't take you out. They're mainly for monkeys, which isn't that reassuring when he knows he's got to climb up through there. Man, Mason's are, Mason's picks are awesome. Wait, is there a scene where they have to that when they actually do tune the laser and there's like a small animal icon on the dial? Yep. Well, it's a terrible icon. The iconography back in back then was is awful. Is it a monkey? Right. No, no. It's a, it's a weird sort of a dot matrix stick figure that you can see the readout showing where the laser is going to shoot next. And and the guy, the uh, Arthur Hill, who plays the main scientist, is telling the guy climbing out, okay, now duck, to your right, to your left. And they'll show this terrible, like, 70s computer screen readout of the laser targeting the stick figure. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's some great... Um, a laser's a stick figure, too. Of sorts, yes. All right, and let me guess. So uh, uh, Mason's number one pick, then, is Goldfinger. No, it's okay, real genius. 
No. All right. It's, it's Akira. Where's this light coming from? You know, I haven't seen Akira in a long time, but I, I remember really liking it when I saw it. Am I too kind to Akira? I don't, I don't do cartoons, so I don't know. <laughs> hmm. And then I remember re- I read the comic. I read the manga, Tom. Ah, uh, you like comic books. Hmm. <laughs> I will need an official call to see if animation is permitted. You know what, Mason? Yes, because of your first two picks, absolutely. Your picks, tuned in small toms. Regardless, this movie is filled with great laser scenes. The best is near the end after Kaneda fails to take out Tetsuo with the laser rifle he finds due to the battery dying. See what you're missing, Tom? Dingus, what did you think of that scene? I loved it. I thought it was great. (laughs) Thanks for the podcast, Kelly. Not as good as the Death Star, but it's good. The Death Star laser is pretty cool, but they never use it except the one time. You're talking about they never use it. Kelly Wan, millions of souls cry out in pain, agony, and, and deceasement. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's <laughs> I guess they never use it. Yeah. Ask people on Yavin 4 about if they ever use yeah. it. They don't use it on that. Ask the Alderan folks. Go talk to them. Alderanians? <laughs> All the Alderanians? All the Alderanians. Mason oh. finishes his email by saying, Kelly Wan's obstacies keep my 18-month-old son amused as we drive to daycare. No. Because, I mean, I can't swear. <laughs> nice work, Kelly Wan. I hope you're happy. Daddy, Children what's are a listening. fuck part dick joke with... <laughs> if that kid's not going to turn out well. No offense, Mason. Gretchen Grasshoff. That's a fun name. <laughs> Gretchen Grasshoff. You just, is this someone who sent in an email, or are you just announcing that right <laughs> now? Just make a, I was just making names. I just came up, Yeah, what do you think guys think of it? It's like, uh, I'm finally writing... Lu- 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 I, I, I like Lucas Locust better. People who have the first two letters of their name alliterative are always kind of awesome. And she kind of... Tom wouldn't understand, like you and me, Dingus, because we have that perk. Good point. I'm finally writing in so Kelly can read submissions from more girls. Aw. <laughs> Sorry about that, Gretchen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> girls. Didn't mean I didn't. Thank you. Appreciate that. I only have one because this is very last minute, but here we go. Prometheus laser surgery. That's actually oh, kind of... Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> yeah, it is. I hate to talk to... Pre, be pro Prometheus about anything, but it, it was—I was, wasn't expecting any lasers in that movie. And then I don't know. It is pretty good, and it's like lasers primitive tech too. Yeah, good pick, Gretchen. Again, just like Dingus with Ocean's Twelve, you don't see Prometheus on many three by threes, but when it's picked, it belongs. And this is why girls are cool because they'll—we would just—if we think Prometheus, we forget about that because we just want to not think about it. But the girl will see, like, the diamond in the rough. She'll, like, sift deeper. Fuck you, Tom. The most worthy really. <laughs> Thanks for the great podcast. See? Tom? Gretchen Grassoff understands me. See, Tom, your, your contention was this is a bad podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, got me on, she got me on that count. Yeah, She's absolutely. Gretchen. We totally own Tom together, so I appreciate that. When you said thanks for the great podcast, I knew what you really meant. Tom can suck it. See, chick, I told you. <laughs> I love your Metacritic voice, Kelly Wand. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's the guy who runs Metacritic. He's a 13-year-old Halo Forest. 
Aaron Bond, Dear Q3, 3x3. These are my picks for best lasers if I'm not too late. You're the best evil son and evil dad could ask for Austin Powers 3, Sharks with Lasers. Wait, that's in the third one? <laughs> that's my reaction. Not in the first movie. There's a callback joke that happens in Goldmember. Also, I want to know what order our wonderful hosts, Tom and Dingus, would rank the Austin Powers movies then. Tom? Uh, let's see. I would rank yeah. them all. On, I, I, well, you know what? I kind of liked Austin Powers when it came out. So, And I think they just got progressively worse. So I would just go the no, earlier ones. The second ones. one's the best one. Yeah, the second one is pretty good. Yeah. I don't like it at the end of the first one where he, he talks about how responsibility is good. Is there a third one? Yeah, with Beyonce. Is Love Guru an, an Austin Powers movie? <laughs> Did you see that with Timberlake and Jessica Alba? I, I did not. He went with those two people. <laughs> That's why I won't talk about it. But I do like the second one, and I actually own two of them. And I guess after the, as of the third one, I feel a little sheepish about having those two on my. The movie second shelf. one's funny. There's a lot of funny shit on the second one. Yeah. Heather Graham so, uh, bangs fat bastard. That's kind of good. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. I'm unhappy about that. That's what? sad. <laughs> no, come on. That's kind of cool. That's risque. That you bastard is gross. I know. But then... I don't know. Um, but then you hear the lines said by everyone around, like on TV, so, uh, and then you hate it. You exactly, know. right, right. right. And it's sort of like, like Monty Python. Python. Oh, that's yeah. right. And they ruin something. Uh, number two, we'll deal with your rebel friends soon enough, Star Wars. See, this was, this is where we where I pay the price for both of us. Like, I, I did this whole thing to troll you, Tom, and now I have to read aloud... The word Star Wars. <laughs> Listeners. Damn it! Remember the best explosions, 3x3? Three three? Of course I do, because I pick all the best topics, Aaron Vaughn. I chose the Death Star blowing up. Who's laughing now, Tom? Oh, who chose Death Star blowing up when everyone else wanted to talk about Alderaan getting zapped? See what word he chose? I, I was not aware you were reading an email, Kelly Wan, and I thought this was you talking. <laughs> I'm furious that you said that. <laughs> if you could do air quotes when we, when you're reading, that would help. You would be that silent that long if I was just ranting about Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, you thought I was doing That's a Star Wars quote? <laughs> so pissed off you said that. Uh, number one, Aaron Vaughn. It's the last one. Well, when I get through with her, she's going to be the hottest dish in town from Terror Vision, Tom. Oh, what is that? This whole movie, Aaron Vaughn continues, quote, <laughs> the listener, Aaron Vaughn, continues to answer Tom's question by writing... Wait a minute, wait a minute, I do know what that is. Hold on, isn't that some, is it a South African thing? Is it like Richard Stanley? Uh, or, or it's like getting where, time and space mixed up again. Right no, there. it's like where aliens come through the TV and somebody has to hide in a bunker, I think. <laughs> That's your All right. All right, okay, go ahead. What does Aaron say about this? I, I do know what Terror Vision is. I've seen this. Go ahead, Kelly Wand. They hide in a bunker from TV show? Well, there's like a like the grandfather is like some survivalist type, and he has a bunker, and there's like kids who have to get away from the alien, and they hide in the bunker. I totally know what Terror Vision is. It's got a really weird, colorful, like, 80s palette to it. Um, all right, what, did, what does Aaron Vaughn say about Terror Vision? See, that title would make me go, oh, it's a sketch comedy movie, and then I would... Remember Terror of Tiny Town? 
Uh, is that where the little voodoo dolls are chasing? I don't know. Black? I didn't see it. I just saw the no. title once. Well, tell what is Aaron Vaughn? Uh, Terrorvision. Whole movie is a result of aliens grossly mishandling their garbage mutant by firing it into space as a laser. That it turns out, I can see why you did think this was me. Firing it into space as a laser that it turns out TV satellites will receive. Yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> That's it, the, maybe it's a, oh yeah, the part where it explains it. It might be Australian. Uh, I, do, I got the sense that like I don't think it. It was released in the U.S. for a while, but I totally remember Terrorvision. You weren't ready for it. Maybe it yeah. was American. I don't know. If uh, it weren't for lasers... But by the way, in Canada, it's spelled with a Z, oddly. Sexy. Or is, it, or is that a Z? Sexy spelled with a Z, too. Two of them. <laughs> uh, if it weren't for lasers, we wouldn't have Terrorvision. Without Terrorvision, there wouldn't be a reason to watch movies. No runners-up this week. Sorry. Thanks for the podcast, Aaron. See? Awesome pick. Eight listeners. You know, it's like last week, I noticed that all the comments for the Evil Dead podcast <laughs> concerned Dingus's reverse microwave idea, and none were about Evil Dead or anything <laughs> we said except that. I wasn't sure if that was a reflection on the movie, us, or Dingus's idea, like the need to get that food frozen faster. Like, there's a much greater demand for that than we realized. Tom? So Get runners hats. up for lasers, lasers in movies. I, I think everything's been covered pretty well. Do you guys have anything? There's not that. Uh, I have one, and this is one of my favorite laser lines. It's from the movie Contact, and it's when the dude says, "Not if they lose, not if they use their laser blasters and photon torpedoes." That was my favorite thing. Oh, oh wait, that's why. That's why Dingus will say every now and then just laser blasters like I, mean, I hear him say that and I don't know what he's doing I now realize it's a contact reference yep alright by Jake Busey no it's just some, one of the scientist dudes he hmm. says not if they use their laser blasters and it's just the way the guy says it I love that line so much but they don't actually use lasers in the movie it's no 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 there's no laser blasters so the word but laser I, yeah it's it's one of my best lasers is him saying laser blasters hmm well, that yeah. technically counts, Kelly Wan. It's a, it's an appearance of a laser. It's it's be, you're being told, not shown. But it's a, in it's the movie a laser, laser blast. There are laser yep. blasts in Dingus's. They just say laser blast. Kelly Wan in the movie Saturn Three. How many yeah. people are on the actual moon of Saturn Three where it takes place? Oh, I thought it was a ship. The third Saturn ship. It's, it's a moon. moon. They're on a moon. So the, the way that has a name though. They don't call it Saturn Three. Uh, that's no moon. Wait a minute. Wait, that's a good point. Rats, where are they? Maybe they're on Saturn itself. That's just lazy writing. Like, (laughs) "Ah, it's called Phobos, whatever. Wait a minute. Yeah, why is it called Saturn? Bones have those really cool names, so you would want to use it in... Yeah, right. Well, no, so here's the thing, is it's called Saturn 3 because there's three Sounds like a sequel. No, because there's three people on the station. It's Kirk Kirk Douglas, Farrah Fawcett, and Harvey Keitel. And yeah, the robot's not a person, though, Kelly Wand. It's a robot. Sounds like a bad three people to take to Saturn. Just really? Well, I mean, not Pharaoh. Like, she's... You take her in the room. Phobos is a moon of Mars anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so in Saturn 3, uh, Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett, they're, they're like scientists on this station. And Harvey Keitel comes to visit, and he's from Earth. And Farrah Fawcett's never been to Earth. And we, we don't actually see anything That's... on Earth. We're just on... Well, she was, like, born and raised on Saturn 3 or whatever. And she looks uh, like that, and she has a tan. All right, anyway, go on. Yeah. Yes. So so Harvey Keitel shows up at this station, and he's, like, a weird dude. And at one point, he says to her, 
you have a nice body. I'd like to use it. <laughs> what? No, I'm I'm with Kirk Douglas. And he's like, wait a minute, what are you what are you talking about? I'd like to use your body. She's like, no, I'm with him. We're like going out or whatever. And <laughs> and, and Harvey Keitel explains that's really rude and that's greedy. And on Earth, you would never be able to do that because everybody will share their bodies on Earth. And it's this weird like hippie free love futuristic evil society. <laughs> well, Harvey Keitel is clearly evil. Yeah. Well, or he's just saying that that's his, you know, his line that get he, that's how he gets laid on Earth. That's how he gets chicks who have never. So it is on Saturn, right? <laughs> Everybody shares peace and love, man. But Harvey Keitel is a hippie. Sounds interesting. He's well, it's not. Guy. I think they dub his voice or something too. I thought it was a robot. There was an evil robot too. It was a rape. Well, yeah, he's bringing this robot to help their scientific program, and the idea is that he's supposed to train. He actually replaces the guy who's supposed to go there for some reason, but uh, he's supposed to train the robot by jacking this little needle into the back of his neck, and the robot learns from him. So the robot picks up his obsession with Farrah Fawcett, um, and then the robot falls in love with her. Uh, and it kills Harvey Keitel and takes over his place, and it puts Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett to, to work. Like it, it makes them like human slaves to this research program. Um, um, and then Kirk Douglas kills it, and they're fine. Oh. And the movie ends with Farrah Fawcett going to Earth, where I guess she will not... Other not robots and Harvey Keitels will rape and kill her. I don't know, who knows, but she's not with Kirk Douglas anymore because he's what? dead at the end of the movie. He's dead, what? he's died. He, he sacrifices himself to kill the robot. He pushes the robot into water, and he pushes oh, it so hard like that he falls in the water, too. Water yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, huh. Water messes up robots. Well, that's what you got to do to protect. All right, so, but there are no lasers in Saturn 3. I was very disappointed in that. So, uh, Okay, so are you guys ready for next week's 3x3? Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> What was on the left side of Ryan Gosling's face in The Place Beyond the Pines? The word throb, I thought. <laughs> Isn't that uh, it? Does anyone remember? A hawk fist with yeah. a bunch of arrows and a pyramid with an eye. Dingus, could you remember? Presenting uh, Act One. <laughs> no? Dingus, no. <laughs> Dingus doesn't say anything as a guess. <laughs> That's a pretty good guess. That could be the answer. A mole? Uh, no. Ear. His ear. It, it was a tattoo. <laughs> well, his ear. Further forward, Kelly Wan. Scoop forward. <laughs> Only Gosling has an ear there. That's uh, it, it was a tattoo of a dagger with a little drip of blood coming off of it. Um, so he he was very tattooed, of course, in, in The Place Beyond the Pines. So what I want from you guys, because when you put a tattoo on an actor's face... I, I can't stop looking at that, but you know it was appropriate for his character. But I was like, you know, who's going to get a tattoo there? He even had like tattoos high enough on his neck, where when he was in court, you know, his tattoos showed. Um, that was so, in character though, because he was kind of an idiot, right? Well, it was all in character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anybody who gets a tattoo on his face, you got a question? What What are you What are you thinking? Um, <laughs> so what I want from you guys, not tattooed characters. You can't just simply say, "Oh, Robert De Niro and Cape Fear." I want specific favorite tattoos. And I will now take off the table the letters on Robert Mitchum's hand in Night of the Jackal. Those aren't tattoos. They're just words. No. Be... <laughs> no, no, no words. It has to be a drawing. It can't be text. Isn't that the right thing? Well, it, it can be text. It can be a drawing. But I want the specific tattoo. So I want your favorite tattoos in movies. Don't just tell me about a tattooed character. Tell me about the specific tattoo. 
Like Curve Village shows his character. No, I'm taking him off the table too, Kelly Wan. Oh, plus, you can't. Plus, Kelly Wan Fantasy uh, Island is not a movie. Oh. See? See what I did there? I, but he's in Man with the Golden Gun, which has lasers. Oh. Is, right. is his name Tattoo in that movie? No, I think it's so you like. Can't pick him. It's like uh, Clorox or something. <laughs> That's a terrible name for a henchman. That's how they all. That was the, it. Was the deck? It was the seventies. Kelly, want any other questions about next week's three by three? While you think, I would like to let the listeners know if you have a favorite tattoo from a movie, email it to us at three by three at quarter to three dot com. That's three x three number three letter x number three at quarter to three spelled out dot com. We would love to read your picks on the air. Give us one, two, or three favorite tattoos. Uh, and or tattoo that on you, and then and then take a picture and, and attach it to an email and send that in. Uh, and Especially remember, I want girls. <laughs> <laughs> I want uh, it, maybe Gretchen Grassdorf, Grasshoff. What was her name, Kelly? Grasshoff. Grasshoff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, women, men can participate, even children. Children are allowed to pick favorite tattoos. Daycare on the way to daycare. Eighteen months. His uh, first tattoo. We will next week be seeing the latest movie from the director. I think his name is, I want to say Joseph Krasinski, but I think I've screwed that up. Uh, at any rate, the guy who directed Tron, his next movie is Oblivion with uh, Tom Cruise. We will be seeing that next week and then doing our three-by-three three of uh, favorite tattoos. So uh, join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by uh, Christian Krasinski. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> And Kelly Wand. What Dingus said, I agree. La 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 la. You want to hear my Canada really quick? I do. I want to hear your Canada So yeah, I had to go on with Canada. Capcom nitwits, and this one dude, every time I get off a good one, he always goes, Zazing. Like that's his, that's what she said. So he keeps right. saying it. And then the whipping boy of the group saw, why do you say that? So I prepared to zone out, because this can't be an interesting story. It's a sick story. And then he says that he and his buddies were being hooligans on a bus back in the day. And when they got off, it was an old lady who tramped past them scowling and went, Zazing. And then I was all, wait, an old lady said Zazing? That's kind of fucking hot. You might want to have sex with an old lady. Oh, God. It's like if Judy Dench went, Zazing. Private eyes, huh? <laughs> They're watching you.